disclaimer, white people should not feel guilty for being white. However, I do think that the ones who don't listen to what's going on in the world have contributed in some sort of way to social injustices being experienced by minorities in this country. Uh, like, for an example, let's, let's take Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints. Do I think he's a racist? No, I, I really don't. But do I think that he's clueless when it comes to social injustices? Well, yeah, I, I would say that. I would say at least to some aspect. Um, I do applaud him for saying that he wants to learn and do better. Th- this is not the typical podcast of mine. There's no intro music or anything like that. It's just me wanting to have a discussion about racism and the 846 special that Dave Chappelle did. I don't even have any questions prepared. Uh, This is just a conversation. And I invited someone to join me. He's no stranger to T2Q. I've known him since 2008. He's from New York. And I want to welcome Kevin Young back to the Top Q Radio Show. Kevin, what's up, man? Quincy, it's uh, it's a privilege to be here with you. And uh, I know, obviously, we're going through a very tough time in the country. And... uh, you know, I, I just want to say I was definitely willing to come on and have this discussion with you out of the, the sheer respect that I have for you as a person and uh, the love that I share for you personally as well. So I am honored that you asked me to come on and join you. Oh, man, I appreciate that. It's really cool. And, um, yeah, we are going through tough times. That's something Obama would have said. We're, we're going through tough times. But um, yeah. <laughs> there's so much that's been going on regarding race. And, you know, we've listened to people give their two cents all over TV, radio, and social media. However, Dave Chappelle's special on YouTube called 846 really stands out to me. He named the special 846 because that's how long that Minnesota cop, um, Derek Chauvin, uh, kept his knee on the late George Floyd's neck and killed him. And when I first heard of the new Chappelle special, I immediately thought comedy. However, this special was pretty serious and deep. What were your impressions of? It's uh, it's exactly how I would say that it was definitely Dave Chappelle's new special. It was not a comedy special, but it was special in its content and its timing. I think it's something that I believe I texted you right when it happened. I said it was necessary, uh, and it is thought-provoking, and I just left uh, watching it just almost unable to express how I felt because it was such a powerful you know, 27 minutes or whatever it was in length. But uh, it took me to almost like uh, thinking that Dave Chappelle has become something greater. Uh, It's not your typical setup punch, you know, delivery punchline, all that jazz. He has risen in maturity, risen in his game, that all of a sudden he could talk about what's going on, still keep some humor involved, but he's putting it out there. And, uh, and it's real, and you could hear the raw emotion in his voice every time he stressed that eight minutes oh, and 46 definitely. seconds. And uh, he personalized everything in the story, and he crafted it so well that what he set up at the beginning, he circled back to at the end, and I'm sure we'll go into more of the details as the discussion goes along, but it was a special, and it was special. Um, even the interesting parts, like the very beginning, the first minute, watching people come in to the show, everybody wearing a mask, everybody getting their temperature taken. It's showing what is going on in our country right now without having to explain it to us. It's just showing you. So in 20 years from now, you're going to see that intro and you're going to be reminded, oh, yeah, I remember when COVID-19 was going on. And then 
just everything about it, it just struck the right tone. It was serious. It was a little playful at times. <laughs> when he told the, the, the white and the black person, going to be an interesting car ride home. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, it was definitely thought-provoking. <laughs> and uh, you could, it, when he circled back, the thing that hit me the hardest in the whole special was when he spoke about hearing George Floyd call for his mother. And the only other time he heard that is when he heard his father on his deathbed calling out for his grandmother. And just those images, so vivid. And it's just an incredible story, a uh, way to present that in such a, just a clear image that makes us all just, uh, unless you're inhuman, just watch in horror and in awe of his style and the special that he gave us. Yeah, I agree, man. And, I mean, it was so much that he talked about that um, hit close to home for him. Like you mentioned, you know, that's what he, he heard his father say that. He also mentioned that 8.46 a.m. is the time he was born. Um, yeah. So there's correlation there. So it really, you know, resonated with him, of course. But you're right, the 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 wave of emotions that he went through on stage from – being jovial to being angry to being sad, I mean, you saw everything kind of come out, and I think that um, it was it was really cool to to see, and people need to see that because we watch these folks on the news and they're just telling the story. The reporters are you know normally just telling their point of view of what they've seen, or depending on what channel you watch, they're manufacturing their point of view, and um, yeah. you don't get the raw human emotion all the time. We see pictures, but just hearing someone yeah. speak for an extended period of time and what they're dealing with just, just I think really resonated with the, the viewers. And um, yeah. I just wish that the people that needed to see it could see it. But, you know, some people don't want yeah. to be exposed to that type of viewing. And so he's utilizing his platform in a way that's constructive and Informative. I think above all else, Dave Chappelle is an educator. Uh, I think he realizes, I mean, both of his parents growing up were professors, and I think that's just natural to him to be an educator. And what he was doing is was educating throughout the special as well. And, and, and for all different types of people, it was remarkable to me uh, that he spoke about the Chris Dorner case. Uh, the LAPD officer who complained yeah. about the other officer, and then he got fired for it. Therefore, almost giving justification for the other officers in the Eric Garner case not to step in and do something because they have learned that if they complain about their fellow cops, they're going to get in trouble. So he's almost showing you what, the potential mentality of the police officer in a very subtle way. Um, You're exactly right obviously, that, Yeah, and then talking about uh, the obvious point that he made is, of course, 400 cops showed up to blast the guy to bits because he was attacking them and flipping around saying, now you, how do you not see that from the people in the street? So <clears throat> while the obvious one was, yes, this is why we're doing it, it flips, he gave the flip side in there as well. The cops may not step in because of fear of reprisal internally. So it's it's an education. Uh, that's that's another point that 
hit with me. It's like I never thought about why the other five people just stood around and watched with Eric Garner, and that could be why. They're told, don't do anything against what the leader's doing or else you're the one who's going to get in trouble. Which is absolutely backwards. And I remember when all of that yeah. went down with Chris Dorner, and the, the moment they were looking for him, I had no doubt they were going to kill him. I yeah. mean, he took it upon himself to seek justice, and I don't agree with what he did ultimately as far as killing people, but he tried to do everything the right way, and he lost his job, got blackballed, or you know, however you want to look at it. And so do you think that there are a lot of policemen and women out there who would like to eradicate the bad apples in the police departments across the country, but they get muted, fired, or blackballed? Well, I had never thought about that aspect until the special, which is why that one really, really uh, kind of registered with me. I posted something not too long ago sh- saying that, uh, you know, I've, I know several people in law enforcement, um, and I have great respect for them, and I strongly support them. Um, I also put in there that I do not blindly support the police because bad things happen. Um, I can tell you from a personal experience, you know, 99.9% of the time, they are absolutely wonderful people, uh, the ones that I've met, who really are out there to do a job and to go home at the end of their shift. Uh, I have never spoken to anybody who says they intentionally go out there to cause trouble. I'll take that back. I have one example. When I was in college, a criminal justice professor said, the first time it snowed, his partner looked at him and said, I'm writing, I'm giving a ticket to the first motherfucker I see with a ski rack on his car. <laughs> so maybe they look wow. to give out some trouble. But overall, I, things kind of happen in the moment. And I think there has to be more training involved to handle those extremely high-pressure situations. Um, Absolutely. Case in point is the one that just happened in Atlanta where the scuffle ensued. Sure, the taser was taken, and the taser was fired at the police officer, but he was running away. There's no reason to shoot your gun if he's running away. It's yeah, training more than anything, with, I think. With Rayshard Brooks, I don't think it had to get to that point. I really don't. I think it... Right. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think it ever should have gotten to that point. When uh, Rayshard was running, I know he reached back, like, with the taser, but I, I, I don't know. I just, when I see that, I was like, man, you didn't have to, to shoot the man in the back. Or, I mean, if someone's running, you're, they're not a threat to you. Exactly. They're I, running away. That's not a direct threat to your life. Right. And, and I, I recently heard the cop who fired his gun just completed <laughs> safety training. Oh, man. Uh, the, the only training I don't know they the training to have. Is. Is taking a gun off safety, if anything. But, yeah. And why his option to tase the guy instead of shoot him, you know, I don't know if the one guy that shot him is the guy that lost his taser or not. I'm not sure. But I don't know. It just That got so but out of still, hand, in what? my opinion. The guy was asleep at a drive-thru. And wake him up. If he's drunk, okay, yeah, you got to take him to jail or do whatever and detain him. But it just got so out of hand. I just think it's lack of training that, that, that caused that. Right. Right. I mean, you, you – You've got his license. You have his car. Why do you need to shoot him? You know who he is and where he lives, and you know he can't get too far. Why shoot him? I understand that it was a scuffle and everything else, and maybe the cop take it as uh, personal if they get beaten. I don't know. 
I've never been a cop and I've never been involved in a fight like that, so I can't speak for it. But at some point, your common sense should take over so you don't shoot a man in the back. But that's just my thought. Yeah. I don't know what happened to warning shots. That doesn't happen anymore. And a warning shot in Florida, we get to put in jail. Yeah. Back to 846. (laughs) Well, I mean, we're just talking in general. I mean, and one of the things that black people pretty bad, I ain't going to say the most, but it's up there, is all lives matter. All lives matter just gets under our skin, and a lot of people don't seem to understand why. I mean, no one says all houses matter when someone's house is on fire because it's stupid, right. you know. No one right. says all, all buildings matter on 9-11 because it's stupid. So why do you think that people say all lives matter when it comes to black lives? Yeah, I recently saw in front of a Congress that Dan Bongino, Bingo Bongo, his nickname, I think, refused to say it when they said, don't you think all black lives matter? All lives matter. Well, they think it's it's code word for, you know, not having to say black lives matter. I don't understand the mentality. Um, first of all, I think, and I could be wrong, um, I think Calling the organization Black Lives Matter is easy to say. Um, I don't think that was the in specific intent of the, of the meaning of it. It should be like Black Lives Matter also or Black Lives Matter too, uh, something right. like that, I think was the initial intent. But I don't understand the mentality of people not being able to say, yes, Black Lives Matter. And if you really feel compelled to say something after that, you can say, as well as the other lives as well. Why can't you say Black Lives Matter? I don't understand it. It's almost like my side doesn't want me to say that, so I'm not going to give in. But I don't understand what your side is in that case. Just to say all lives matter, that should include black people. Well, guess what? All justice should include all black people, too. And clearly we're seeing that's not the case. Hmm. And I agree with you there. And I don't understand the refusal for some people to say it and it should be understood that all lives matter but evidently if people are having to designate other lives to matter too then something is wrong Um, absolutely and you know again it's like if if a house is on fire you you take care of the house that's on fire you don't worry about the rest the rest are fine and it's like that in society, you know, there are a lot of minority groups, be it black, LGBT, or whatever, who are going through stuff, women, uh, who are going through things, and, you know, the predominant group that has the ability to kind of fix some of those things just have this refusal to help for whatever reason. And, I mean, now this is something that a lot of people do, even black people, and this infuriates me. Well, how can we expect police not to kill us when we're killing ourselves. I oh man, that black on black crime <laughs> argument drives me nuts. We don't say, uh, well Americans kill Americans after a terrorist attack. I, I mean you know how stupid that sounds to say something like that. So why bring yeah. up black on black crime when a cop kills a black man? I think it's an out that people try to use. It's almost like the what about ism that always happens. Well you try to claim black lives matter but black people kill black people. Well, yeah, and white people kill white people, but no one talks about white-on-white crime. It's the same thing. Right. It's you're going to kill who you're around. 
Okay, that's why all of the accidents happen within two miles of your home. Not all, but, you know, the vast majority. Because that's that's where you are. And and it's it's an excuse to try to tear down, I believe, it's an excuse to tear down the the statement of Black Lives Matter. Well, if you believe Black Lives Matter, then black people wouldn't kill black people. Well, it doesn't say crime doesn't exist. It just says black lives should matter as much as the next. That's what it means but no one wants to accept it for what it is. And it's very similar, I think, going back to the Drew Brees comment. Oh, you can't nail because it disrespects the flag. No, it doesn't. It has nothing to do with your perception of the flag at that point. It's about protesting police brutality. And if you constantly try to say it means what you're doing means something else, to try to tell the person who's doing it that they don't know why they're doing it, get the hell out of here with that. All you're trying to do is shift the message away from what people can get behind to something that people should be against. And it's just trying to pit people against each other. That's what, uh, that's what these people seem to like to do. And I, and I just don't understand it. And, and you like how all of a sudden everybody's trying to say, like Mike Pence saying, oh, I'm, we totally support peaceful protests, but none of these pro- the old protests are peaceful. Well, dude, you went to a football game on purpose to leave when somebody kneeled. You weren't for a peaceful right. protest then. You had yeah. to make a stink about it and waste the taxpayers' money. Just trying to get your face on TV and impress the excuse me, uh, person who's occupying the White House. I almost said something <laughs> out of line, but I you almost said the P word. myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, black-on-black crime is a very misleading term, and it just perpetuates the stereotype about black people being naturally violent. I mean, like you said, right. violent crimes in communities across the country are normally committed against like races. Whites kill whites, Asians kill Asians, et cetera, et cetera. Yet you've never heard the term white-on-white crime or Asian or Asian crime frequently used on TV. I mean, people tend right. to kill people who are nearby. It's like a convenience thing. You don't have too many exactly. traveling murderers who go from community to community killing people. You know, it's a domestic right. dispute a lot of times that erupts. And black or black crime, right. the term, also insinuates that the black community is okay with crime when we're not. I mean, the problem yeah. is there's a, yeah. mis- there's a mistrust of the police department in the black community, which leads to people not cooperating with law enforcement. So it's hard to weed out criminal offenders when you don't trust the people who are supposed to be removing them from their environment in the first place. And people yeah. are so focused on cops killing black people that they tend to forget that cops also beat up black people. Um, you know, they plant guns and drugs on black people or just flat out intimidate us. And so who wants to invite that into their community? A lot of times they'd rather deal with the people they know rather than invite a cop into the community not knowing what's going to happen. And let me stress this. Um, I'm definitely not saying that all cops are bad. I'm definitely not right. saying that. Just like racist, it only takes a few. Um, yeah. So I, I just want to stress that when I say cops. I'm not trying to paint a broad stroke here, but um, I, I, I do think that even though the situation with Chris Dorner turned out bad, I, I would like to see more cops step up. There's too much press these days to be afraid, you know, if something goes on. I mean, if you're doing the job for the right reasons, I feel like when you see something wrong, you should 
you know, respond to it in some shape, form, or fashion. Those people could have saved George Floyd's life. And, yeah, maybe your superior gets mad at you or anything, but, I mean, we're talking about a life here. And yeah. I think when it comes to saving a life, you gotta got to at least try. you got to at least try, you know. And, yeah, like I said, and it's just to, to wrap up the whole black-on-black crime thing, you know, violent crimes tend to happen in places below poverty level. It has nothing to do with race. In fact, well, black people may be the brokest race. I don't know. But, I mean, wherever you find people living under the poverty level, you'll find crime, whether that's the hood, the barrio, or the trailer parks. And so that term just diverts people's attention away from atrocities against black people in the first place. Cops are paid per- to protect everyone, not just non-blacks. And when black people kill black people, we get convicted. Cops rarely do. I mean, a lot of them don't even lose their jobs. Uh, right. Or if they do, they just move to a different city. Yeah. Yeah, and get another job as a cop. And yep. that's my rant from that. But uh, Chappelle talked about how Don Lemon was calling out celebrities. And I think it was it was important that Chappelle released this special but, I mean, how do you feel about celebrities and their responsibility when it comes to uh, social injustices? I, I think it's almost a societal wave that we're in, that the Twitterization of everything, that we, a lot of people look to the people that they follow on Twitter to try to figure out how they feel about something. And I think that's wrong. And I think it's a big problem with how our country has become. But Muhammad Ali was an extremely special person because he stood up and he preached about what he believed in. Celebrity in the past was never about taking the stances like this. It was somebody special like Ali. That's what a big knock against Michael Jordan was because he said Republicans buy sneakers too, right? So we didn't look for celebrities in the past. And now it almost seems like unless it's coming from a celebrity, it doesn't have relevance or impact. And I think that's flat out wrong. And I totally agree with Chappelle when he said the streets are speaking for themselves right now and the streets are doing just fine. Um, Maybe it helps to get a unifying message out because the celebrity does have you know, a bigger platform to preach from. But I, it, it's funny that Chappelle says, I'm not going to speak out about it, but then he put out a special speaking out about it. But he did it on his terms, not because, oh, there's something going on in the black community, Chappelle must speak about it. No, Chappelle speaks when Chappelle wants to speak. And Don Lemon even said, you know, he appreciated and he believed things that Chappelle is right for saying what he said. Um, but of all the people he called out, I thought that was the most uh, or the least impactful put down, saying that he was, what do they say, a hotbed of truth. I think Candace <laughs> Owens and Laura Ingram deserve what they got in more sharper terms. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get into Laura and Candace in just a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know why people think – celebrities have great or sure their opinions should have greater weight than everybody else but that's it's a sign of the times unfortunately yeah and uh, you said 
Twitterization. I gotta use that someday. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what about what about Jordan? You know, Jordan comes out and he gives a little statement and gives a hundred million dollars to somebody um, to help against. Um, I don't know. I can't remember, recall exactly what it's for, but he donated a hundred million dollars towards the cause, I guess, so to speak. How do you feel about him now starting to show up a little bit? Because I think the last incident, well, I ain't going to say the last incident because there's been so many, but um, there was a major incident maybe a year or two ago where he ended up donating some money or something. That might have been a couple of years ago towards police training or or something of that nature. So do you think that he's starting to get involved now that he's older and got all this money? You think he's competing with LeBron because LeBron – is so spoke outspoken about things because he isn't a competitive guy, you know. Um, he why is. do you think he's starting to show up a little more now? Um, I, I'm not going to be as cynical as you thinking that it's just another competition with LeBron. I think he's probably <laughs> matured enough off outside of the limelight that he's had time to reflect. He's got bank, so he doesn't have to worry about making more bank anymore. And he can, instead of necessarily speaking out about something, he can let the money do the talking in in his place. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if we find out that he's been doing it all along under an anonymous name or through a different corporation that might be associated with him or something. I don't know. Uh, But I think he's got the resources that can help and he's letting the money do the talking instead of being, you know, the vocal person out there. Um, unrelated, um, I think I was talking to you um, a couple of years ago when Kaepernick started the kneeling, and I said that in 20 years they're going to look at Kaepernick like they did look at Muhammad Ali. And the white people I knew who obviously were, I shouldn't say obviously, but the people who were against him kneeling would tell me that I'm an idiot and look, the NFL changed their policy. They can't do it anymore. Ha, ha, ha. Well, now we're starting to see everybody realize that, you know what? He was right. Uh, NASCAR banning the Confederate flag, the driver quitting NASCAR, and then NASCAR tweeting at him saying that they had to look him up on Google to see who he was. I thought that was absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, he finished 33rd this weekend, I think, out of 38 cars or something. Well, you look at him. He's better than five. Yeah, but uh, you know, getting off topic a little bit, but I think you know, the NFL changing their policy again. USA Soccer uh, now make, not making it mandatory to stand for the national anthem. Uh, Matt Gates, congressman out of Florida, decided to try to float a bill saying that unless if you're on the USA Soccer team and you don't stand for the national anthem, then you get fined. It's nothing that says freedom like fining somebody for not doing exactly what the government tells them. Uh, exactly. There. But sorry for getting off topic. Yeah, I, I think Michael Jordan oh, probably no. is comfortable enough <clears throat> and matured enough to the point where he can um, make a difference through his donations. And I, I don't think and it's a competitive thing with LeBron. And if he does use an anonymous name, I hope he doesn't use Ron Mexico because Michael Vick already knows that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so speaking of athletes, Laura Ingram told LeBron years ago to shut up and dribble, 
when he had a political opinion. Yes, she thinks that Drew Brees should be entitled to his opinion and be able to voice it. I mean, the hypocrisy is so blatant. I mean, why can't people see that? Yeah, I don't know why. They, well, they don't see it because they think as long as their side wins, who cares? Um, I was talking to somebody uh, a few months ago who was a political writer, and I said hypocrisy fuels Washington, or Washington is built on hypocrisy or something like that. And He's like, I can use that. I'm like, feel free. It's all you. Um, <laughs> that's all we see coming out of anywhere is hypocrisy. Um, that was as blatant as an example as you're going to see, and I don't know if there's any other way. I, I would like to try to give some of the benefit of the doubt and not suggest that it was a racial thing, but it's pretty obviously that, A, it was a racial thing, and, B, it's because her feelings are it's about the flag, so he should be allowed to express that. So as long as he agrees with her, the, 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 he deserves to have an opinion. But if you disagree with her, shut up and dribble. Um, yeah, so is it a race thing? Yeah, is it a race thing? Probably. Um, I would say more likely than not. And it's certainly a point of view thing that my side agrees with you so you can speak and my side disagrees with you so you must shut up. Uh, which I wish she would. Um, but she has, as far as I'm concerned, because I never watched the damn thing. I've uh, taken the other route. Right. Instead of trying to de-platform everybody, uh, it's just change the damn channel if it comes on. Even idiots can earn a living, as far as I'm concerned. I just don't have to watch you do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, how do you feel about Candace Owens? Uh, she is a black woman who went to social media and listed all of George Floyd's previous unsavory behavior and said that he should not be uplifted as a hero because he has a criminal past. Uh, what do you think about her and the rant that she had on, um, what was it, YouTube or Facebook Live or something? Um, I think she's entitled to her opinion. Um, I think she's allowed to be stupid, and I think we should be allowed to call her out for being a dumbass for doing it. Um <laughs> Who cares what else he did in his life? And, and I can go back to what Chappelle said. Does that mean that someone should be able to kneel on his neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds? I don't think so. Um, it's not the protesters that are glorifying him as a saint. It's his death. He is now a symbol. It's not a person anymore. It's not George Floyd, the guy who did these things in his life. It's the person who was underneath the knee of the cop for eight minutes and 46 seconds. So to try, again, it's another attempt to try to strip away from what is and turn it into something that we don't like. And the way that she is so obviously like diamond and silk, earning the buck off of these disgusting Republicans so they can point at a black person and say, she, she gets it. Why don't you? I don't understand how they don't see that it's an act. And if she truly thinks that, then I got to get the medication she's on because that's some wacky shit. <laughs> I, I mean, and it's funny how because didn't she get invited to the White House? Yeah. The people and she's been they invite called in front White of Congress House to testify on what? But who the hell knows? It's all of a sudden right. because it's the Republicans see they can get a black person in there to have their side, and then they can say, "See, we're not racist. We invited the black girl." 
who just happens to agree with us. Yeah, shocking. Oh, my goodness. I, I really don't know who they're trying to fool. Between her and Ben Carson and that one um, sheriff, uh, I can't think of his yeah, name. Clark. Not that he's memorable. That's what it is. Clark. Um, yeah, Clark. Yeah, yeah. So those three black people speak for all of all of the black race. So. Have you Man, ever seen a I, stupider surgeon than Ben Carson? I mean, I don't, maybe he's just completely book smart, but I, I, it doesn't ever seem like he can finish a sentence, but yet he was a great <laughs> brain surgeon? I don't know. I I don't get it. I, I don't, don't know I either never because he, he talks as if he's dozing off at the time, and you're right. Maybe he is kind of just book smart and doesn't, doesn't have any common sense. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, the guy can probably – you know, yeah, do wonders on a brain, but uh, maybe someone needs to look at his. I, I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> if he only had a brain. Exactly. And so, all right, we'll get ready to wrap things up, but I, I want to get into racism versus racial sensitivity for um, yeah. people who are tone de- deaf when it comes to, to race, because I do think there's a difference. Now, with you being a white guy, I know the last thing you probably want is for someone to lump you. Well, you don't have to be any color to not want to be wanted to be lumped into some category which you don't belong. No one wants to be called a racist, you know, in the white community any more than any black person wants to be called a thug, you know. No one wants to be yeah. lumped into a category. But we do have different categories of people. And when it comes to racism, you have the the flat-out racist, you know, the ones that leave you no doubt. And you also have the, the narcissists. Those are the people who can only see what's going on in their world. Those are the people that holler, all lives matter, you know, yeah. because they feel like somehow their liberties are being stripped whenever someone has a problem that doesn't involve them. Um, and then you have the people who – they really care. They really don't want this stuff to happen, but they kind of keep to themselves and just hope that it just all, all goes away so they can go back to their lives. You know, there are a lot of white people who are very sad about the whole George Floyd incident and, and some of the others, but not enough to speak up. But we as black people, a lot of times, we just label everyone as racist, you know, and yeah. I don't think that's fair. I, I do think that there's a difference. Um, how do you feel about that? Do you think that there is a difference between someone who may be racial, racist or someone who may be racial, uh, racially insensitive? Yes. Yeah, 100%. And that's another big reason why I did, uh, you know, obviously want to come on the show and speak to you about this topic specifically. Um, in a little bit of history about me is that I grew up in the city of Tonawanda, New York, which has historically been known as a very racist city um i grew up in a time where racially insensitive things are uh said without batting an eye uh so the household not so much the household but the uh the city the environment i grew up in were exposed to racism well it racist people we didn't they used to claim we we had the first black uh, student in my school came in I think when I was a sophomore. Uh, we we never had uh, an African American 
student in any of my classes growing up. Uh, so there was just no exposure there. And uh, it was very common for there to be racist things said, joked about, whatever. Um, so I would, you know, hear all these things growing up and then you evolving the way that you see the world as you get older and you see, I don't understand why people want to separate people just because of skin color. I mean, people are people and we grow out of that. Now, does that mean I don't, I have not heard or even said things that could be considered racist in my past? Of course. Does that define who I am today? No, absolutely not. Secondly, the tone deaf part. I came on this show and I want to do other things because I want to be part of the solution going forward. I want to be able uh, to have uncomfortable conversations with people in, an, in, in a comfortable way, right? So the topic of race is something that no one ever wants to talk about. But unless we talk about it, there's no way that people like myself can learn, can understand your perspective, how you can understand where I may be coming from, and try to figure things out that are a way that it's beneficial for all of us to be able to understand each other a little bit better. And while I wouldn't say I was racially necessarily toned up in the past, I certainly have not done enough, enough in my time to try to bridge that gap as well as I could. Um, I think this past election uh, brought out a lot of people from the shadows um, I'm not trying to say any, everybody who voted for Donald Trump is a racist, far from it. Um, but I'm saying that if you are a racist, you probably did vote for Donald Trump. <laughs> and <laughs> it's empowered people to act upon those racist tendencies in everyday life and feeling as though that you will not face any punishment from it uh, because all of a sudden the president thinks you think like the president so you should be allowed to say it too. Uh I just saw uh, a poll the other day where I think it said fifty four percent of people think the president is a racist. I think that's pretty scary. Um uh, so basically uh, like you were saying I wanna try to be uh more of the solution and try to bridge that gap than I have in the past because I know I can do more and I know many, many people can do more and it's not it's not just one group of people who's going to make sure everything gets better. Everybody has to play a role. Very well said, man. And I definitely appreciate that. Uh, you know, I, I could get into col- get into politics, but uh, I'm going to save that for another show. So, uh, you know, let's do this again in the future, man. And uh, I would love. Eight eight forty six is going to be etched into people's brains. I mean, I, I caught myself probably about two days ago. I happened to look at the clock, and it was 8.46 at night, and I immediately thought of, you know, the whole George Floyd incident. And I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people around the world who think that as well whenever they see the numbers 8.46. And uh, so the Chappelle special, for those who haven't watched it, go to YouTube, check it out. Stuck for Netflix that they didn't have it. So I know they're probably upset, but... uh um, it's been quite a lot of traffic over at YouTube, so um, be sure to check it out. Kevin, man, you know, you're my boy. Kevin's my brother. I appreciate him to the fullest, and I appreciate people like him 
who look to make the world a better place. And and for those who may know us or follow us um, on Facebook, Kevin and I don't always agree. But thankfully, we have the ability to agree to disagree and move on with our lives. I mean, that's what sensible people do. That's what friends do. And we all don't have to think alike to get along, you know. But I wish that everyone subscribed to the same theory because, you know, most of society thinks that if you don't see the eye, if you don't see eye to eye on something, that you can't coexist. And that's not true. And fortunately for Kevin and I, we do see eye to eye when it comes to race. So, um, you have any final thoughts, man, before I shut this down? Uh, just that uh, I was, uh, again, so honored that you thought of me to bring me on. Um, I will do anything for you, any chance I ever get. Um, I will tell everybody that we clearly don't see eye to eye on the Dallas Cowboys, but that's neither here nor there. And uh, <laughs> uh, just again, I love you, my brother. And if you need anything, just give me a holler. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. All right. So thanks, everyone, for listening. Peace out.